First Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 19. First Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 19. For you know. So he starts off this verse as uh, presuming or assuming, if you will, that there is something that we know. And uh, that knowledge comes to us actually by revelation. It's brought to us by the Holy Spirit. You can know it intellectually, but you can know it experimentally. That means you've actually experienced it through the power of the Holy Spirit. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were, you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's a powerful verse, and we're going to unpack it a little bit as we go. So the precious blood of Jesus was without defect. It was without blemish. So there's a value to it that transcends every other kind of blood. Now, I have a, what represents about the amount of blood that the average human being has in their veins, uh, in their bodies, which is about five liters. Now, if you're a man my size, it's probably five and a half liters. If you're someone my wife's size, probably about four and a half liters. But on average, somewhere between four and a half and five and a half liters is the amount of blood that we have in our bodies. Now, just so you know, this is tomato juice, just in case you were wondering where I got the blood. Uh, anyway, it's representing human blood. It actually isn't human blood. Now, the human blood is composed of four main components. Plasma, which is um, made up partly of water. A good percentage of it actually is water. And then there's red blood cells, and that's what gives our blood the red color. And then there's white blood cells, and there are platelets. Now, um, the functions of the blood are, this is, yeah, okay, we're, the transports oxygen and nutrients to the lungs and the tissues. So it's, it serves the purpose of transporting all the vital things that we need in all the various parts of our bodies. Uh, it forms blood clots uh, to prevent excess blood loss. So if you uh, cut yourself severely, it will, the blood will naturally, when it's exposed to air, uh, try to coagulate, try to clot, so it, pr it preserves you. Because this is all the blood we have. And if you lose any more than about two liters of this, uh, you'll die. So we really need this blood. It carries cells and antibodies that fight infection. So that's very important. It brings waste products to the kidneys and the liver, which filter and clean the blood. Uh, so all of these amazing properties of human blood uh, that we just take for granted every day. 
the blood is, is absolutely magnificent, the way God has created us and how the blood serves us so powerfully. And the blood regulates our body temperature. It helps to cool us or warm us. Now, uh, I'd like to talk to you for a little bit about red blood cells. Now, red blood cells form about 45% uh, of our blood. So almost half of this would be red blood cells. And it's interesting that the, the shape of, our, of a blood cell is biconclave, which means, how can I do this? Uh, it, it has no center to it. It has no nucleus. It's kind of high on one end and on the other end, and then it goes really thin in the middle, and then high, and then low. Sort of like a donut. Um, and, and as a consequence, the, uh, the red blood cell can actually find its way, squeeze its way into the tiniest, tiniest little vessels in your body. And uh, so it, it actually goes through damage in doing that. But it's so necessary for your body and mind to have that um, nutrient, those values that come to us from blood, reach every part of our being. So the tiny little blood vessels in your eye, uh, the very outer extremities of your body, these little blood cells, they're going to find their way there. And they're going to uh, squeeze themselves together and, and actually hurt themselves in order for, for them to do what they need to do. Now, as a result of that, a red blood cell only lives for about 120 days. So its lifespan is just about four months. And then it dies. And then the body is making new blood all the time, new, new red blood cells all the time. Now, how long is your blood vessels? If you took them all, all apart, this is slide six, yeah. All your arteries and your veins and your capillaries and your circulatory system, if they were laid end to end, they would be about 100,000 kilometers, about two and a half times around the world. So if you could take all of the little blood vessels in your body and join them all together, that's how many you have around the world, two and a half times. Now the Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has created us with these, this tremendous life source within us called the blood. There's all sorts of hematology, which means blood, uh, diseases. And so we have actually, you know, in the medical profession, hematologists who, who specialize in diseases of the blood to help us um, stay whole and well and to treat the things that uh, can go wrong with us. Now, uh, the heart, this thing inside me and inside you, beats about 70 times a minute. That's the approximate uh, amount of uh, beats per minute. And it can move five to seven liters. So your heart will move about this much or maybe even a little bit more 
blood every minute. So that's a fair little bit of work that your blood has to, has to go through. In a day, it will move 7,600 liters or about 2,000 gallons. Now, have you ever seen those big oil tanks that people have along the sides of their houses sometimes or down in their basements? They stand about that high and they're maybe about as long as this table and they're about that wide. How many have seen those? Well, those are 200-gallon tanks. And so your blood will produce, wow, they will pump 10 times that much blood every day. To do that, in your lifetime, your heart will beat about two and a half billion times. Over 200 million liters of blood. That's amazing. So in an average lifetime, so I've lived 72 years and eight days. Uh, that means that my heart will have beat approximately a billion times. Now, nothing's ever gone wrong with my heart. Well, I, I kind of fell in love one time and started to beat a little faster than usual, but I mean, apart from that, that's not really something going wrong, but, but that heart of mine has beat that many times. I've never had to have any kind of surgery or medical treatment for my heart. The doctors say I have a good heart. Two billion times. Uh, wow. Isn't it amazing how God has created us? And these are just some things about the blood that we have coursing through our bodies. But there comes a time when we die. Maybe our heart stops beating. Maybe some other kind of disease comes in and takes us, maybe like cancer. And as soon as we die, our, our blood starts to coagulate, it start, and it separates. And so the blood cells, they kind of go to the bottom, and they're brought there by gravity. They're not being pushed by the pump anymore. So if you're laying flat on a slab or on a bed or just laying flat on the ground when you die, the red blood cells will tend to go to your back and the back of your legs. If you're standing up, when you die and you're, you remain propped up, the red blood cells will head down to the gravity will pull them down to the bottom part of your legs and to the bottom part of your body. So, it, and it separates the red cells from the plasma and other parts of the blood. Now, the plasma is kind of a, a white, a little bit of a milky, almost yellowish color, but it looks like water. It's made up mostly of water. And so when Jesus died on the cross, the soldiers came along. And normally what they would do is they would break the bones of the person who was hanging on the cross. And they would do that to kind of hurry up the death process. But when the soldiers came by Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. 
that he had already died. And so they didn't break his bones. And that was prophesied in the Old Testament that when the Messiah would die as our Redeemer, not a bone in his body would be broken. And so the soldier came and put a a sword in his side. And out came, the Bible says, blood and water. So the water was most likely the plasma. And the blood was really the red cells. But the Bible describes it as blood and water. So without a doubt, he was dead. He died. He died a human death. And so his blood was like ours. It was human blood. It had all the same characteristics and properties of our our blood because he was the son of man. But the difference was he wasn't like us as a man because he had never sinned. And he was God's gift to us. He was God who came down and became incarnate. In other words, God became flesh. And he was not born through, well, he was born uh, by natural means, but he wasn't conceived by natural means. The sin of Adam was not passed on to him because Mary, his mother, was made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And so the blood that flowed through his veins was not tainted by human sin. And so, the Bible refers to it as precious. The precious blood of Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. You know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold. I have uh, in my pocket a gold chain with a gold cross on it. Uh, it belongs to my wife. It was a little bit of a, a challenge getting her to loan it to me today, but <laughs> here it is. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's pure gold or not, but pure, but gold, pure gold is, well, gold is referred to as a precious metal. And did you know that gold never corrodes? Pure gold never corrodes. You can pour a bunch of salt on top of gold and leave it for a thousand years, and that gold will be just as pure as it ever was. It will not be affected by the outside elements. But we're not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Well, if gold is permanent, if it lasts, if it's enduring like that, why does the Bible refer to it as corruptible or perishable? And the reason for that is that gold serves a specific purpose. It's a temporal purpose or an earthly purpose, not an eternal purpose. Not the purpose for which we were created. And that is to be in relationship with God throughout time and throughout all of eternity. So gold cannot redeem you. We are redeemed not with things like gold, 
So gold represents money, it represents earthly value, it represents all the things that we strive for in this world to better ourselves temporally, or that means in our earthly existence. People will put their trust in gold or in money. They will try to better themselves and get more money. And, we, and many times people just find themselves living for money, thinking about money. How can I get more money? And money, money, money becomes the thing that so consumes us. Now, of course, money has its place. Money is really important. We have to have it in order to trade, in order to be able to buy and to sell. But keep this in mind always, that money cannot redeem your life, or purchase for you the things that are most important, the things that have eternal value. And that's why the Bible talks to us about the tithe. Will we honor the Lord with that which is our, if you will, our gold? Will we, and that's basically what the tithe is. It's an act of worship. It's saying, God, I, I tithe because I recognize that this is just corruptible stuff. It's not going to last. But I want you to know that you are my source of temporal blessings, just as you are my source of eternal blessings, and therefore I honor you with the tithe. Now that principle is taught all through the scriptures. And uh, so I just put that in there. To talk because Peter's talking about gold, and how it's, incor it's incorruptible in the sense that it, it lasts and lasts and lasts, but it's only temporal. It's only in this life. Think about it. How much time do you th spend thinking about money? Wishing you had more. Or how can I get more? Compared to, how much time do we spend thinking and worshiping the Lord? and focusing on his eternal purposes in our lives and the purposes that he has for the body of Christ, the church. And so, today as we come to the Lord's table, we recognize that everything else pales in comparison to him. He is Jesus. He is Lord. You are not redeemed with perishable things such as silver or gold, you were that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. So the way we used to live was just a, without Jesus was just empty. There really was nothing in it. So our, why? Because our forefathers all died. Their blood didn't endure. Their life it couldn't just be passed on to us and we just pick it up and keep on going because they died. And all they really could do is pass on to us the gift of physical life and in doing so, nurture us and love us and bless us and lead us, hopefully, to a relationship with God. Dads here this morning and moms, let me say this to you. It's far more important that you pass on a legacy of faith to your kids than you do hockey or basketball or sports or education or any other thing. The most important gift that you can give your kids 
is the gift of instruction, the gift of faith, the gift of obedience seen in your life so that they will follow you, they will emulate you, they'll want to be like you because you choose to be like Jesus. Such an important emptiness. Oh, man. There's a lot of emptiness in this world, isn't there? A lot of stuff that just... Oh, just leads us to nowhere. So many disappointments, so many broken hearts, so many broken relationships, so much brokenness in this world is just around us, and we've all experienced it. It's an empty way of life. But God has purchased us through Jesus, through his precious blood, from the empty way that we used to live in. He's pulled us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he's given us a gift that we could never earn. The gift of something that will last. He's given us the gift of eternal life. Now when Jesus was at, with his disciples before he died, it's Matthew chapter 26. And they're sitting, well actually they're, they're sitting as a, would in those days, not on chairs, but just sitting on the ground. And Jesus, while they were eating, took bread. And he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Ta or take and eat. This is my body. But it just looked like bread. What did he mean? <laughs> this is my body. He didn't say it represents it. He said, it is my body. What he wanted them to understand was there was something very, very unique that was happening in that moment. As he was preparing to die, he was preparing to bring us into a covenantal relationship with him that would have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit himself and the word of the living God that it would abide forever. Bread, of course, is temporal. It won't last. But the body of Jesus will. He lives forever. He's our high priest right now, the Bible says, in heaven, interceding for us. And this is my blood. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, of course, the wine that he passed out, there was no, no value in it as a means of blood that was say, would save us. So when we come and we take of the emblem of the blood of Jesus, there's no value in the emblem. The value is in the blood of Jesus that he poured out for us and through whom we have redemption we are saved we are saved by the precious blood <laughs> I, I read this week of a guy who had a you know how you can program your cell phones to when it rings it has whatever it is. you can make it cluck like a chicken or do whatever you want 
And so his cell phone was the tune of, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? So if somebody said, what in the world is that? He could tell them. Well, let me tell you what that little tune is. So he used it as a witnessing tool. So let's all do that. We'll all just take a few minutes right now. Pull out your cell phones. Find No, don't do that. You might want to do it when you get home. But he took the opportunity to use his cell phone as a testimony of the cleansing blood of Jesus that removes, doesn't just cover, but it removes all of our sins. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Stop and just give him praise for a moment before we go on. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise, Lord. We give you thanks. So many beautiful songs about the blood, aren't there? We sang some this morning. And uh, I think of, you know, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child and forever I am. And some of the choruses, oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes white as snow. And I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. Well, there's so many wonderful songs, hymns and, and courses that have been written about the blood. And it's, they're still being written today. I think we sang a new one this morning, didn't we? Oh, not so, oh it's coming. Okay. Well, I, that's what I know. Um, I noticed that there's no doctors here this morning. Um, Usually we have a couple of doctors in this service. It's a good job that I might have failed my hematology test. Uh, I don't know about, uh, <laughs> no, it's not a good job they're not here, but I, I really wonder what they would say about all the stuff that I've been saying about the blood. I think that you would find that it's, it's mostly accurate. There's a couple of scriptures. We're going to have three more scriptures, and then we're going to uh, come to the Lord's table. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, when Christ came as a high priest, of the good things that are now already here. You see, Jesus, whenever this was written, had died. He had risen again. He had ascended. So when Jesus, our high priest, came as for good things, he was the high priest of good things, they're already here. You don't have to wait. Today, he can cleanse you of all of your sins. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides for your needs. He is here right now. Already here. Woo! It's like Christmas. Yeah, okay. How many days till Christmas? I don't know if the kids are adding it up or not, but it's whatever. It's old, um, 300 days. I don't know. And, and we wait and wait. Kids wait for Christmas. Christmas, I'll get presents. But we don't have to wait for the good things that God has provided for us, not through a Christmas tree, but the tree that hung on Cal Calvary's hill where he bled and died. And the good things are here right now, right today. Hallelujah is right. Um, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. 
that was referring to the Old Testament religion, but it also refers to every other religious system that man has ever invented or has, has practiced. They are all temporal. They're made of human hands. Whatever tabernacle we erect, whatever cathedral, whatever church building, whatever, all of those things are just things. But the tabernacle, the, which means the dwelling place, the dwelling place of God is something the Bible says is not made with hands, but it's eternal in the heavens. Jesus, as our high priest, didn't come to an earthly altar and offer his blood, but he ascended into the throne room of God and offered his blood as the sacrifice as the atoning sacrifice for all our sins. Hallelujah. He did not enter means by the uh, uh, enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, all Old Testament practices, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood. It was through the blood that he shed, that gave him the right to come into his Father's presence, into the holiest of holy places, in a tabernacle not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, and there provide redemption, redeeming your life, purchasing you back from all that was stolen and all that we lost as a human race. Hallelujah. He obtained eternal redemption. Go to the next couple of verses. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. That's talking about the Old Testament practices where blood uh, it was blood was sprinkled sprinkled on a person and they were considered to be ceremonially clean, which meant that they could go into the tabernacle and they could be a part of the religious worship, the spiritual worship of the nation of Israel. But it never really answered the deep need for the cleansing of the human heart and soul. That's what he's saying. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, Cleanse our consciousnesses from acts that lead to death so that we might serve the living God. Oh, there's nothing that plagues us more than our conscience. You've heard the expression, let your conscience be your guide. That's a dangerous thing. Because your conscience can be formed or the values that make up your conscience can be formed by things that are not godly. So you can't trust your conscience if it has not been influenced by God and formed by God and his word. But our conscience, oh, we, it tells us when we've messed up, when we've done wrong, when we've sinned, when we've oh, really blown it. When our attitudes have been wrong, when our deeds have been wrong, when the sins that we've committed are so apparent to us, 
and they're there, and they love to haunt us, and the devil loves to bring them up. He loves to take things that you've done just this week and even this morning maybe, or in the past, and say, looky here, this is who you really are. But the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So who can lay anything, the Bible says, to the charge of God's elect? And he's chosen you, and there is no charge that come against you. Jesus is your mediator. He stands in the presence of God. He stands in the holy courts of heaven. And when any accusation comes against you, he says, wait a minute. Here's my blood. It has cleansed him. It has cleansed her from all sin, both in their act and in the residual effects that they leave in our lives. You can claim the blood of Jesus today for yourself, for the power of God to meet your need. Hallelujah. The precious blood of Jesus contains the life of God. Remember, this life in our bodies, coursing through our veins, it one day, when our heart stops beating, it'll coagulate, it'll separate, it'll stop, and we're dead, physically. But the blood of Jesus lives forever because he lives forever. <laughs> wow. It sets you free from bondage because it contains the, love, the life of God. It protects you. You can tell the devil that you are off limits. When Satan comes against you, when the accusations come from within you, when he tries to dig up the stuff, you can say, devil, my body, my mind, my heart, my emotions, my spirits, my spirit, they are covered by the blood. And you have no access. You're off limits. And we need to tell him that <laughs> every time he uh, tries to attack us. And the Bible says we're not ignorant of the, the wiles or the devices of the devil. He comes and he tries to do the best he can to get that thin edge of the wedge in the door. Cause you to open yourself up to the things of the past that destroyed you. And see you lose out on the things, the good things that the blood of Jesus by the, the new covenant provides for you. They're already here. The blood has the life-giving power to revive you. It has miracle power to minister to your physical needs. Every other need can heal you of your diseases. It can lift the fear that comes through a doctor's diagnosis. The miracle power of the blood of Jesus. By his stripes, 
we have the right to claim healing. 